Hi, I'm Steph. Hi, I'm T. You're listening to Opeti the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Opeti. And that's the tea. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Opeti for more. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Opeti the podcast, episode four. Hello, T. Hi, Steph. Welcome back. Thank you. Another Last week. week was great. Oh, it was. It was a fun episode. I liked that. It was, was fun. Good. It was um, good this one. week, we actually have another guest. We have an Yay. interview. We're back again with our interviews this week. Yeah. And we have a very exciting one. I'm so excited for this. This is going to be the episode. Everybody wants this the... episode, but they don't know they need it yeah. yet. But they yeah. want it. So we are actually joined with a cultural care matching specialist. <gasps> we need like some music like... <laughs> Um, who, matching specialists are basically members of cultural care who uh, talk you through the matching process, are there to guide you, connect you with families, and vice versa with the families themselves as well. So we spoke to cultural care and we were like, hey, we get so many questions about the matching process. It's the most nerve wracking time for families and for au pairs. So can we get someone on that knows the, all the ins and outs of matching? And they gave us gold. They gave us Raphael. Yes, yes. welcome, Raphael. <laughs> so much pressure now. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm honored to be here. We are so thankful that you just you said that you would come and join us. It's going to help so many people. Of yes. course, of course, happy to help. Okay. <laughs> so what we did before we when we started planning this episode is we put a little thing out on our Instagram and we said, "What do you guys want to know about matching?" And we also collated questions that we are always asked in our inboxes and we mashed them all together with a little bit of help from cultural care. And we've got about 18 questions and we're going to be uh, putting Raph through his paces today. <laughs> so Steph, I think we should jump straight into it. You can kick off. Yeah. Okay. So first things first, Raph, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into working with cultural care, etc. So people get to know you? Yeah, of course. So I think of most of the au pairs, I'm also not from the US. So mm -hmm. I'm originally from Brazil. And I also did a J1 visa program before. So a little fun fact. So I know how it is to go through visa process and come into the US for the first time. And it wasn't as an au pair. It was like a summer program. So summer in Brazil, winter here in the US. And I ended up working in North Dakota at like a supermarket, Walmart, and I work in the kitchen at Applebee's as well. So it was my first like time outside my country, first time outside my parents' house. So I totally know how it feels. Like I know it wasn't a one-year program. It was like three months plus the travel month. But I definitely can relate to a lot of our parents and how nervous they get uh, with the idea of the program so mm -hmm. I really like that fact and we don't have families in North Dakota but if we had it I would definitely like talk a little bit about North Dakota so but I went back to Brazil I finished college and then I came back to the U.S. to do a master program I did a master in marketing and I started working for Education First that is the same group as ES Cultural Care and two years ago, I joined cultural care as a matching specialist. I work mostly with the state of Pennsylvania, but other states as well. 
And yeah, I love what I do and I love being in contact with people from all over the world. And mm-hmm. I know that the impact that the program had with myself for myself. And I know that how much of a big deal it is for operas as well. So I'm happy to be a part of it somehow. Mm. I love that you um that you're not originally from the US, so you can kind of, you know, connect with people a little bit more and understand what it's like to move to a different country. So yeah. what is the the role of a matching specialist just assume that nobody listening to this knows what what you are and what you do who are you and what do you do (laughs) (laughs) of course so when I heard the title matching specialist before applying I was like also like match reminds me of tinder so (laughs) (laughs) we always say it like (laughs) we say that yeah. So I was like, am I going to be the Tinder between match host families and affairs? And it's kind of a little bit of it. Uh, so families, when they apply for the program, no matter if they are a brand new family or if they are a repeat family that hosted like 10 affairs, um, they have the support of a matching specialist. And we basically support families. Like if they never heard about the program, we talk about the program, the rules, the regulations. And we make sure that like their profile is under the regulations that like it's attractive to our pairs and we make sure like our goal is to make sure that we have like the best families out there and also that they find the right fit for their family so this program is definitely not for everyone like the same on the side of the host family on the side of the au pair and we want to make sure that we are making the best connections between families and au pairs so that's my our goal as a matching specialist mm-hmm. And it is really helpful to have that connect that connection there as well to have someone to talk to and get guidance from because sometimes it's so hard to pick a family and think this is like a life changing decision and so like it's nice to have somebody to talk to as well. Definitely. Uh, So when au pairs are looking at host families profiles there's a lot of information on there there's a lot to go through a lot to think about what are the parts of host families profiles that au pairs should be sure to look at kind of focus on yeah definitely we are revamping like we are working on a new host family profile so it should come up in the future but why we we are not there yet like we started with the au pair profile so you see if you are an au pair that started the process like one year and a half ago and didn't travel because of the pandemic you maybe know that there were two different types of au pairs profile and we are working to update the host family profile as well to have more videos the same way that au pairs have right now and be more like modern but i like that the tables have turned yeah Yeah. (laughs) yes so a lot of families they wanted the option to put videos sometimes we tell them to like do a video, put on YouTube and add the link to your letter. But we know that's okay. a lot of work. So mm-hmm. at some point it's going to be automatic and they will have that. that option. And yeah, so the way that profile is right now, we usually like first thing, definitely studying the profile uh, before you go for the interview is something that I definitely recommend a person to do. Yeah, sometimes families say, oh, she definitely like took her time to their time to go over our profile, came up with questions about our family. And I think that put yourself like way ahead of the other candidates that didn't do it and before the interview. But I usually know that like our pairs take a look at the weekly schedule. I know that that's one, one of the first things that they take a look the number of children, the age of the children, location. And I think the letter is definitely a good part to like have a small version of 
all the information that is on the profile. I know that it's a lot of information, but maybe if you like before the call, go over the letter, it, most of the information is there. And I think the photos is also something that the operas usually like to mm -hmm. see. And I, it's like picturing how your year will look like if you join that family. Yeah. So yeah. I usually encourage families to add pictures of like, the holiday celebrations, that things that operas like, and if they have like a family vacation that they go every year, like at that as well. If they have pets, of some operas they <laughs> love pets and they love to see pet pictures as well. Yeah. So I think letter, weekly schedule, and photos are usually the three main things that I recommend operas to take a look first. That's yeah, great. Yeah. So on the on the flip side of that, what should Again, you know, OPEs do very detailed profiles and we've gone in detail about what we've put in ours and the different sections. But what should an OPEs put on their profile to help them stand out to host families? It's very difficult to stand out when we all have to fill in the same type of information. And there's yeah. so yeah. many OPEs. <laughs> there are so many OPEs. So what, what's going to yeah. make somebody stand out right now, particularly now that the ban is lifted and COVID's mm -hmm. kind of settling a little bit and more people are coming through? What's going to help us stand out? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that like as a pair getting like the profile completely blank, like what should I put here? <laughs> and it is as you mentioned, like there are a lot of pairs out there and you really need to take the time to think like what makes me unique in a sense. And keep in mind that like there are different types of host families out there looking for different types of pairs. So you maybe don't think that I don't think I have anything special about myself, but sometimes it's just like a hobby that you have that the host kids love to do it or the host family, the host parents has something similar that they like to do. And one thing that I don't think that our parents know about is that families can look when they are searching, like there are different filters and they can look for a keyword search as well. So okay. sometimes it's like just a one word that you add to a letter that will make you stand out when they apply the filters. So for just to give an example, when we were doing the pandemic and we have the national interest exception option, and one of the categories was for special need kids. And a lot of families would use the keyword search to see if the au pair had like experience with similar special needs or like if the kids were diabetic and have, see, look for the word diabetic uh, to see if the au pair has experience or they mention in their profile. So I think it's just like one small tip to that can make your profile stand out. And don't feel afraid like to share a lot of information on your letter mm -hmm. about your previous experience and about yourself, things that you like to do, because there are a lot of automatic filters. So if your au pair is infant qualified or if they are not infant qualified, they automatically are not gonna show to infant qualified families. Uh, if you are allergic to dogs and they have a dog, that's an automatic filter. So this is the first like filter and like how many families your profile is gonna be available for is depending on these automatic filters. And the second part is the filters that the family wanna apply when they're searching. So 
I think that when your profile is completed, it's not over. Uh, I would recommend, like, if you can get more childcare experience, keep getting it and adding to your profile. Mm -hmm. If you can add something else to your letter, if you have a course, anything that you think is helpful, uh, if you can keep improving your English uh, after your profile is completed, like everything, uh, don't think that your profile is done and it's over. Like, you can definitely keep improving it as you go. That is a great tip, yeah. actually, staying active and updating. Yeah. I like that. We didn't think of that, Steph. Yeah, we didn't. We just did an episode <laughs> about the application and the profiles. Um, so you've done your profile. That's all done. So you're in the matching process and you have connected with a family, you have an interview booked in. How would you suggest an au pair prepares for that interview? What things they need to do to get ready to ace that interview? Yes, I think I mentioned like reading the family's profile and making sure that you like know who you are talking to. So a lot of families, so I call families when they are ready to match with an au pair and I ask like, why do you think that uh, this au pair is going to be the best fit for our family? And one of the things that sometimes they mention is that the au pair was very responsive. So I had a family where when they were reaching out to the au pair to schedule a time for the interview, the au pair already had sent them an email at the same time. So mm -hmm. au pairs that answer faster a connection request, it's, you already stand out like when they go for the interview. So if you are taking like 48 hours to respond, probably the, that family is already like talking to other au pairs. So right now there is the SMS that is in place in most countries that they are notified when they get a connection request. So my recommendation would be to like step your, start the interview process in a good uh, way. It would be to respond to the connection request as soon as possible. And then after that, like before the interview, make sure to take a look at the profile and come up with questions. Uh, sometimes we have families saying, oh, we had an interview and they didn't have any questions for me. So it seems that like you are not as interested in the family mm -hmm. if you don't have any questions. So definitely make sure to take a look at their profile and come up with questions from the beginning. You don't need to go through everything in this first call. You can have a second call to go over everything, but just show that you are interested and you are putting the effort to get to know them better. Yeah, mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so one thing we get asked about is the number of host families that we can connect with at one time. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of like a question and a sub question. So how many host families can I connect with at one time? And what is the difference between connecting and matching? Because that is something yeah. that I think mm -hmm. people are always a bit like, wait, have I yeah. matched? Am I connected? Yeah. What's going yes. on? Yes, I think there is some confusion there. And the rule is the same for au pairs and host families. So they can both connect with three at a time. So au pairs can talk to three families at a time and families can talk to three au pairs at a time. And basically, when you have those three connections, no matter if it's pending or accepted, you are maxed out of connections. So other families won't see your profile as available and you are, won't be able to connect with like a fourth or fifth family. And the difference between connection and match. So the match button is just to alert us that you are ready to move forward. So you should not click the match button until you are ready, until you have like <laughs> one, two, three calls with the family and you both agree to move forward. And it doesn't make the things official until a matching specialist 
call the family and call the au pair to confirm uh, the match and the travel date. So sometimes the family send a connection and 10 minutes after the au pair initiates the match. Uh, and we usually know that like, they didn't talk yet. So um, I know that sometimes au pairs get very excited when they get a connection <laughs> request. But the match button is just an alert. After you talk to the family, you both agree to move forward and make it official. That's when you click the match button. But mm -hmm. that's oh, it. Nice. So we just talked about preparing questions before your interview. Uh, and for me, I had to write them down. And we get a lot of people asking, you know, is it okay if I look at my questions while I'm on the interview? So is it okay to have notes yeah. on you? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. it shows that you are prepared and like it's if it's a job interview, I also have my mm -hmm. uh, questions listed. So it's totally fine. I love that. I was ready with my, I had like so many questions yeah. and I was like, <laughs> just letting you know, they said that makes you look very prepared. Yeah. I was um, also taking notes during the interview as well. Things yeah. they were saying and you should. Mm -hmm. they liked that as well because they were like, oh, you're really like listening to what we're saying and taking yeah. notes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and sometimes yeah. like you have you're talking to two or three families at a time, so you can mm -hmm. get confused. Right. So yeah. make sure that, like, you, you go the right to the... <laughs> yes. you go, you go to the second call and you, like, can reference to things that they talk in the first call. Yeah. And one thing that I also didn't mention is, like, make sure to ask about the kids. Like, yeah. this is yes. an inter-exchange program, and we know that, like, there are much more things than just the child care part of it. But make sure that, like, you show interest in the kids. I know that sometimes, like, the first kid, uh, so is not born yet. But a lot of families, like, the kids are already born. And you can definitely, like, ask questions about them. They talk a little bit about the kids in the profile. So mm -hmm. you can have, like, follow-up questions. And I know that a lot of families, when they are, like, in the second, third call, have the kids interact with the au pair over video. So come prepared to like how to try to get their attention or maybe they mentioned something in their profile that the kids really like. So come prepared like when you are going to meet the kids to like how I can get their attention. I know that sometimes over video is very hard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> depending on their age. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But showing interest in the kids, I think that definitely make a difference in the, during the interview process. And yeah. maybe some of parents don't think a lot about it. They just yeah. focus on their host parents. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So in terms of asking questions, we've also spoken about this in the past um, on Instagram and on our podcast, but do the, the order of the questions that you are asking, do they matter? What should we ask first? What should we maybe leave for later? What are the, because we've often talked about like, don't have your first question as, you know, when do I get my vacation? You know, yeah. don't make that your first one. So what would you say about the order of the questions and how important yeah. is the order? Because I don't think people think about it very much. Yes, I feel that the order of the questions show like what you are more interested about. So if you start from the beginning asking like when I can take vacation, like uh, can I, do you mind if I travel here or there? It sh maybe shows that like you're more interested in that than like the childcare part of the program and like the education components. So I think the orders can matter. Sometimes some families say that like, oh, we started, we thought that it would be like a 15 minutes call and it ended up being a one hour long conversation, one hour and a half just yeah. because like things are going well and you keep going you can definitely if you feel comfortable ask those questions but i think that the order it actually matters and it shows like what your interest in the program and to get to know the family more so i think that there are some things that you maybe can hold for later or for like mm -hmm. a second call or when you are more comfortable with the family 
Yeah, mm. that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And how many calls do you recommend having with a family before you say, okay, I would like to match with you? Yes, I think there is not like a, a rule for it specifically, but as I mentioned, like sometimes it's a 15, 30 minutes call, but other families talk for like hours and <laughs> the conversation is so going so well. And I usually recommend like to not make a decision after the, the one call, like mm. make sure to talk to both parents. I know that sometimes uh, both parents are not in the call. And if the kids are in an age that you can interact with them, make sure to meet the kids. If the, the family is a repeat family and they have a current au pair, I usually recommend families to have the au pair talking to mm -hmm. their prospect candidates as well. So I think at least two calls, I would say it's recommended before making a final decision, but there is no like rule about mm -hmm. it. It is more like yeah. when you feel comfortable that it's the right decision moving forward. Yeah. yeah. And when we've spoken to people about the interview process, we've asked us questions and when we did our episode on it recently we always said from our own experience talk like ask questions regarding like you said the children the schedule that kind of thing first and then in maybe a second call go on to things about like the money the car like traveling mm -hmm. that kind of thing because it just shows that you know the kids are of, of the mm -hmm. utmost importance to you because at the end of the day that's the primary yep. thing you're going to be doing do you agree that that is a smart move yeah <laughs> and one thing that thing i think our parents don't think about it a lot is the interview is not just when you are in a video call with the family it's also what you do before and after so mm -hmm. A lot of families, they mention, oh, they were very, like, professional after they called. They, like, send me a text or an email appreciating mm -hmm. for the time or, like, trying to schedule the second call or asking follow-up questions that they didn't have the chance to ask during the call. So, and also, like, between the days that we're having calls, like, just checking with the family, like, uh, mm -hmm. how the kids are going, make a comment about something that they brought in the call. So the connection that happens between calls is also important. And mm -hmm. make sure that, like, you are on the top of the, per the, the list that the family, mm -hmm. the, of mm -hmm. all the pairs that the family is talking to. So think about the interview process at not just the video calls, but mm -hmm. all, all in between. That that's, is great. A great that's a great tip. advice. Love that's that. very good. And that, I mean, you've kind of just answered that already, but I just kind of want to solidify because that is basically our next question. What should an au pair do if they've had the interview, they've had the call, and then 10 minutes later, they're like, oh, I've got like three more questions and I didn't ask mm. them or I've just thought, what should an au pair do in that situation? Yeah, I think it's totally fine to send like a text or an email saying, oh, I thought about these questions that we can maybe like address in the next video call or we can exchange some emails or texts or before that. So that's totally fine. I know that a lot of families and au pairs talk over WhatsApp or Facebook yeah. Messenger. So I know that sometimes it's hard to schedule those calls and everyone mm -hmm. is busy and with the time zone difference. And, but having follow-up questions in between, that's totally fine and families are used to it yeah okay perfect yeah. so um i'm gonna link another question into this question that i'm about to ask you so <laughs> part of the matching specialist job is to um suggest connections for au pairs and post families depending on if they think they'll be a good match for each other yep. so the first part of my question with that is 
what factors go into that how do you sort of think okay this au pair would be a good match for this family what do you kind of do Mm -hmm. to get down to that okay I'm going to pair these two together yes I usually we have a conversation with the family before they start the matching process no matter if they're repeat or new to go over like what they are looking for in the next au pair. So there are families that are hosting for years and they are very aware of like what worked well with them in the past and what they are looking for in their next au pair. And there are families that are brand new to the program. They never had an au pair before. So our role is to like make sure that there is at least like some families are very open and we go over like small things like do you need someone that drives or someone that won't need to drive at all and I think those things are important you know and I think the most important things that we take a look when we recommend a fa- an au pair for a family is making sure that like the au pair had childcare experience with similar age group and uh, I think that's the most important we definitely keep in consideration when the au pair say prefer age group in their profile to make sure that we are suggesting a family that have kids uh around that same age group so that's also something that it's important for our pairs sometimes our pairs are like all ages and that's great we are going to recommend you for uh, a lot of families but some of pairs are very limited they say two to five years old so mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. are limiting the number of families that yeah, probably that are going to connect with mm-hmm. you so when we are suggesting our pairs we look for those basics like the driving, not driving, and the childcare experience. To f- and after that, if you have like more au pairs, is basically like the personality of the family matches with the personality of the au pair. So mm-hmm. there are families that like, I want someone more independent. I want someone that is going to be more a part of the family. I want someone more warm. So those are things that like you get a feeling from how the au pair wrote their letter, how they present themselves in their videos. So... It's all about like, that's, that's the first step. So as you, I've been working with this for two years, there are matching specialists that are working for much longer. Sometimes you just go over the profile and feel like this person seems perfect just based on this conversation that I had. And we hope that like through the interview process, they can get to know each other. And in the end, the final decisions from the family and the au pair, like we can get we can try to help connect them, but we don't have the final say. The final say is from the family and the pair mm-hmm. after those interviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to add into that question is, um, so we have au pairs in our DMs, and I'm sure there are au pairs listening to this who maybe are not getting connection requests very quickly or very many of them. Um, especially in our DMs, we have people that, oh, I've been in the matching process for four months now, haven't had a connection, et cetera. Yeah. Um, what, can the ma- what does the matching specialist do for those au pairs helping that, like trying to help them get families? Um, what can they do to maybe help them get connections a bit quicker? Yes, I think I mentioned in the beginning, uh, when your profile is done, uh, you can definitely keep uh, updating it. So keep in mind that like, how I can see more families is basically being more open to different types of families. So there are the automatic filters uh, infant qualified, not infant qualified, uh, dogs, cats, those are automatic. And there are the filters that the families apply, the matching specialists apply. And I believe that like thinking as an au pair that is not getting a lot of connections is going back to their profile and thinking as the host family mindset, like 
what I can do on my profile to see more host families, to open up to more host families. And that goes to like childcare experience. If you can add anything, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. adding more things to your letter, I think that's a start. And maybe you can definitely reach out to your overseas office, your local office. And they definitely, they have a person working as, as a matching specialist in the au pair side as well. And they can definitely give you some tips on like, look at my profile. What can I do to be more attractive to families? So definitely use them as a resource, but keep in mind like, looking at it and see what I can add the childcare experience. I think it's the most important mm -hmm. one, Yeah. but the letter, the videos, everything you can like change a little bit, switch a little bit and it can mm -hmm. make a difference. Okay. Yeah. That's great. So uh, you, you're in matching, you've started connecting with people and suddenly you've got two match requests from people or maybe even three, if you're lucky, we always tell people like, go with your gut because the one thing that scares au pairs is making the wrong decision like is this the right one so how can an au pair narrow down the family that is right for them bearing in mind that it's a two-way street they both have to agree what do you say to an au pair that's like raf seriously i've got three amazing families how do i pick one yeah i think that's a good problem to have uh, yeah. i tell families the, the same happens with families sometimes like i have these two amazing au pairs that i don't know how to choose and what i tell families that i think that also apply for au pairs is like close your eye and imagine that you had a very busy day at work and you are opening the door at the home like who you want to see when you're getting home like to yeah. have dinner with That's and so sweet. That's someone so sweet. teach me this before and i use with families and it it works like they in the end it's kind of cheesy talking about like gut feeling but it's what in the end makes the difference like they very deep somewhere they know that <laughs> that's the person that they want to see when they get home. So even after a busy day, a hard day. So I think on the au pair side, they can do the same exercise, like close your eyes and imagine that you are here, like who you are spending uh, Halloween with, like who are the family that like you are going for, like after a hard day that you are going to have dinner with. So Aww, if you do that exercise, that. yeah, I think it will be helpful too. <laughs> We're going to steal that. We're going to be everybody that. Yeah. Close your eyes, everyone. <laughs> That's good, though, because we, we always say go with your gut. So that, that mm -hmm. backs yeah. us up. So you heard it from a matching specialist, guys. There you yeah. go. <laughs> so um, we always say, actually, this is funny, that the matching process is like dating. We've said this before. Yeah. We mentioned it earlier. And... Um, the worst thing about dating is telling that person you don't want to see them anymore. You don't <laughs> want to continue any further. Yeah. It's so nerve wracking. You don't know what to say. And sometimes you have to do that with a family. If you don't feel like the connection is right, mm -hmm. you want to disconnect from them. How can they go about doing that? What can they say to the family? How do they approach yeah. that situation? Yeah, and I think it's fair game. Like when families and au pairs join the program and they join the matching process, they know that it can happen with both parts like the family can decide to go with another au pair and the au pair can decide to go with another family so i think everyone that enters the games know the rules of the game and they are aware that that can happen so i always tell families if you are really you really like this au pair keep in mind that they are also talking to other families so sell the deal like make sure <laughs> that to make it official before you let them go to another family but i feel like the system have 
they there there are options that you can disconnect from the family and give like the feedback of the reasoning behind it but i also think it's fair like you have their contact information you can send them a text and let them know like at this moment i believe that like i will keep searching for a new family i don't think that would be a great fit and i tell the same for families and with our parents like wish you best of luck but it's the best case scenario to say that now in before the matching process then mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. you are already here so no one wants yes. that to happen so if you don't feel that is the right fit uh, disconnect and definitely gonna find the right fit but mm -hmm. don't move forward with something that you don't think that because in the long term it's not going to be worth it yeah so speaking of disconnecting um or even declining families how many, is there a rule? Are there, is there a rule as to how many families you can decline or disconnect before cultural care steps in and says, hey, you're being a bit picky? Because we've heard some stories and we just yeah. wanted to know what the actual truth was to that. So is there a rule? What's the rule? What's going on, Raf? Give us the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not, an, there is nothing official about it, but definitely it like lights up a red light when you see an au pair that like has more than like fifth declines or disconnections and definitely they will have a conversation of like we want to make sure that this is the right program for you that you are looking for the right fit for the right reasons so there is not like a number but i feel that a lot of declines or disconnections maybe the local office will have a conversation just to set the expectations about how the connections work and making sure that like you are in the right program and looking for the right fit that's good I think that's good because sometimes you can apply to be an au pair and then it's good that you guys are looking out for people being like actually maybe it's not right for you and mm -hmm. you should probably figure this out before you commit to a year abroad so yep. I like that you guys kind of keep a tab on au pairs yeah, yeah yeah we know that it's a big commitment and we want to make sure that the au pairs that are coming are excited about the program and don't have like a we know that like there is definitely i i've been there for the experience before and it's definitely nerve-wracking until you are in the airplane after you're here but <laughs> you want to make sure that like once you make that decision that you're coming for the right reasons and comfortable with it yeah yeah i also think like when you're looking at a host family's profile before you accept that connection really like think about are you accepting them because you really like their profile or are you accepting them just because it's a connection request and you want to have a connection like yeah. it's inevitable that you're going to decline or disconnect in the future so. i think that sometimes it's worth it to give it a try because sometimes one thing is what is in the paper and another thing is what you like right. sometimes you get surprised like or it could be the opposite as well what family that in the profile you are very excited about it when mm -hmm. you are in conversation is like not what you thought and a family that you were not so excited about surprise you during the conversation and the, the conversation goes so well so i believe that like if you can give it a chance and have that interview i encourage you to do it but if it doesn't work you can definitely move on and go to the next one yeah so the next question i added in because my friend was in her extension matching and she connected with her family and she messaged them and said hey i love the profile can we schedule an interview and she never heard back from them but they didn't disconnect from her or anything they just stayed there but they never yeah. contacted her back. So what should people do if that happens to them? Yeah, I think it happens 
both ways. And sometimes the family also, the au pair accept the connection request and they reach out to them to schedule an interview and the au pair never answers. Sometimes I, if you reach out over email, I usually sometimes go to like the trash uh, folder. So <laughs> the junk folder. And so I make sure to try other uh, communication like WhatsApp, they have the number there. If she's already in the US, she can text them directly. Mm -hmm. So make sure that like it wasn't just a communication issue. But if after that, uh, they still don't get in contact, they can. So as an extension pair, you can reach out to your extension coordinator and see if they can reach. Out. So the extension coordinator will reach out to the matching specialist of the family just to get a feeling of is this uh, family still interest or, mm -hmm. or like sometimes the people are just busy as well. Mm -hmm. So it can happen <laughs> on the affair side. A lot of affairs, yeah. they go on vacation and sometimes they don't tell the family that they're on vacation. They don't have like cell, cell phone service yeah. where they are. Yeah. And so the affairs that are in their home countries, they can also reach out to their local office and say, this family accepted my connection. I try reaching out to them different ways and they still didn't get back to me can you help and they will reach out to a matching specialist here for that family and we will try to uh, mm -hmm. reach out to the family and see if they are still interested or not oh that's great that you guys are still like involved in like helping us like if we don't hear anything yeah um, i think definitely the, one of the things that we are constantly asked about matching specifically is and we've always said it it's there isn't a specific kind of time window but people say you know how long does the matching process take and how long is too long because some people mm -hmm. say hey i've been i've been in the pool for like a week and a half and i've not had one connection request yet what's you know mm -hmm. how long should i be waiting what would you say to those people that are worried that they're not getting requests or they you know they haven't had what they wanted within 3 days what would you say yeah i think that definitely the uh, pandemic change things a little bit like yeah, this year and a half and a lot of families took longer in the process or they were waiting to see what happened with travel restrictions but there is no like too fast or too long definitely with the pandemic the too long uh, went over for a lot of affairs but as things go back to normal and uh, we definitely believe that like a pair should be uh, getting connections more frequently. And I think it goes back to that. Don't think that as your profile is available, that it's like you cannot change anything or keep updating it. In one year, a lot of things can happen. Uh, so make sure to update your profile, keep updating it. And that put, should put you in a different position and make your profile more attractive to families. And hopefully you're going to keep getting those connections. And as I mentioned, use your office overseas in your local cultural care office as a support as well. If you, they can give you tips on like, what should I do on my profile to make it more attractive? And so I can get more connection requests as well. So use them as a resource, I would say. And mm -hmm. hopefully those connections will come in. Yeah, I like that. It's like, don't wait. It's okay for it to wait, for it not to happen straight away. It's okay, guys. 
Yeah, right. it's a long process. Is like no it'll matter, happen. Yeah, and no matter if like even after you match with the family, you, like you keep talking to them, getting to know them until you can travel. So there are some affairs that they planning advance. So there are affairs that are already looking for summer 2022. So there is definitely time to go through the entire process. So don't feel disencouraged if they sometimes you're gonna get like two connections in a day or two connections in a week and sometimes you're going to stay uh, weeks without a connection so there is no rule and sometimes it's just like there is more demands yeah. that time of the year that time of the day the, the month so just be there mm-hmm. and keep in mind that the quicker you respond to the connection requests, higher are the chances that like you're going to set up yourself for success sometimes i myself as a messaging specialist i usually tell families like they are they only have three connections uh, that they can use at the same time so if the connection is pending for too long uh, if the pair is not responding to it i encourage them to disconnect and look for another pair because uh, they want to talk with them as soon as they can so mm-hmm. make sure that you are not letting those connections pass as well because you're taking too long to accept or decline mm-hmm. it yes and i don't like to use the word mistake because everyone makes mistakes it's totally fine <laughs> but, but what is the biggest mistake that au pairs make during the interview process or with their profile in general if any yeah yeah i i think we went over some things like already in terms of like not come up with questions for the interview and mm-hmm. uh, not reading the family profile before the interview i think those are sometimes like common and that families mention to us as matching specialists but i think also like we mentioned not asking questions about the kids show interest in the kids it's something that it's surprising but still happens and Mm -hmm. i think those are the main ones that families mention and I would not say that it's a mistake, but it's something <laughs> that like you're not not setting yourself for success if you do that. Mm-hmm. And definitely something that you can do as well is like answering quicker. Like don't feel afraid to be the one initiating the conversation to schedule a call. So yes. sometimes, as I mentioned, there are firms that are doing this for the first time. So we, as matching specialists, we tell them like what to do after the connection is accepted. But sometimes they are just like busy. They need to wait until they get home to do that. So if you, as soon as you see the connection accepted, you reach, you can see their contact information. You can reach out to them first. So just show that you are like motivated and you want to move forward with the process as soon as possible. So I think that's also something like don't be like waiting for them to reach out to you. You can take the first step and try to schedule that first interview right after. So make sure to answer the connection request fast and don't feel afraid to reach out to the family after that. Yes. Be proactive, guys. So um, we are coming to our final question. We are so nearly there. Um, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to add a little sub question actually at the end. So the main question is if you, and we ask everybody that comes on to our podcast, if you could give au pairs one piece of advice about, for you, it's going to be about matching. What would you say to them, Raf? What would be your one piece of golden advice to people? Yeah, I think we talk a lot about like gut feeling and yes. 
it in the end, no matter like how many families you talk to and no matter what you have in your profile, you want to make sure that you are coming for the right things for what is right for you. So we as matching specialists, we're never going to push for a match that you don't think that is right. So believe on your gut feeling. And I think yes. that would be my, <laughs> my biggest advice. And don't feel discouraged if it take longer than you expected. I tell every single family and for au pairs as well. There is an au pair out there that is like just perfect for you. And there is a host family out there that is also the good, the perfect mm-hmm. fit for you. Aww. So just keep keep, <laughs> keep searching and we are here to help. I know that the impact that this program has in a lot of, has for a lot of people. And yeah, I think that would be my advice uh, for everyone it. out there. I feel so warm and fuzzy inside. So the, <laughs> the final, final, final question, yeah. Raph, is what is the best thing about being a matching specialist? What oh. do you get? What do you love about it? Yeah, I feel as someone that like had a inter-exchange program as well, similar to the pair program, I know the impact that that had uh, for me. So I feel that like every connection that I sent or every match that I confirm, I know the impact that like I had in the host family side in the au pair side as well. So I know that people will take this experience for years to come and knowing that I uh, had some impact in making that connection happen. And I think it's the biggest value of this role and what I like the most about being a matching specialist. Oh, I love that so much. That's so Thank cute. you. <laughs> I feel so fuzzy. Uh, but that's it, guys. That's all of our questions we had for Raf. Um, Raf, thank you so much for thank you. coming on here. You gave some amazing advice and amazing tips and I'm pretty sure you helped multiple families and au pairs that are going into matching or in matching so thank you thank you so much I'm very excited for the world to hear this episode (laughs) yeah it's the perfect timing as well because we've obviously just had the news that the borders are opening so I feel like people are going to start applying again and getting into yeah. the matching process so it's exciting yeah Raph yeah. is gonna be busy, yeah, be a busy <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> uh, love, love that the more the better <laughs> yeah um so we hope that you enjoyed this episode guys and thank you so much for listening hope it helps some of you i know that we have a lot of people in our dms right now that are so worried about matching and connecting with family so i hope that helped you Ooh. we are so thankful that cultural care connected us with Raph and got got us the golden matching specialist. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, we will be back next week, guys, with a new episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.